Welcome to Small Business Big Network, the podcast for small business owners who want big results from their networking. I'm Liz Drury, a freelance voiceover artist who knows that if you're not working, then networking could help. Mary Flavel is the founder of the Ladies Who Latte Network and a radio presenter on Marlowe FM. Like me, it seems she's never had a job that she's got through any kind of normal means, and she's found that networking has brought her what she wanted. Thank you very much for being my podcast guest today, Mary. Oh, you're so welcome. It's lovely to join you. Thank you for inviting me. Now, you're a, a radio presenter and a network leader, but you've done all sorts of interesting things, um, <laughs> including working for the Chamber of Commerce. How did that come about? Um, I think most of the things I've ever done in my life have ended up happening by accident. I've wandered into most things, which is sometimes a great career move. But uh, I had a very checkered career, mainly because I had three young children working from home. So you took whatever, basically, you could get where opportunities came up. And some of the homeworking jobs are absolutely horrific. Mm -hmm. But at the time, you know, there was the extra bit of money that made the difference. So you just got on with it and made the best of it. But um, I also played netball for a long time, so you have to have, you have to have something that you checks you out, you know, out of the world you're in and into something else. And I met friends there, and basically I wandered into working outside, which I've been absolutely thrilled with. I've ended up with a career in gardening uh, that lasted. Oh, about 15 years altogether, which has been something amazing. I thoroughly enjoyed it. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you're just not physically able to swing a state for as long as you think you can. <laughs> and and I thought, right, let's, let's retire. You know, the kids were now grown up. I, I had now a chance to, to uh, hang my boots up, as it were, hang my wellies up and and uh, look forward to coffee mornings and the chintz curtains and all that sort of thing. To be shocked to find it didn't exist you know all that happened was you were bored mm. how, you know the house is like four walls at the end of the day no matter how many rooms is inside it and and you know cleaning and dusting and polishing is just oh that's not if you're an active person that's not just in your psyche you do what you have to do but you don't have to do it all <laughs> so and um, after polishing this house for like two months that's as long as i lasted uh, in fact, by because of the netball I played, this chap asked me, uh, he said, you know, this trophy business, would you like to come and work for us? And I, of course, our last thing I want to do is work full time. So I said, well, I don't mind doing something part time, which sounded like, you know, the best of both worlds. But I'm such a competitive person. The thing is, if you're going to be that competitive, don't get into the world of trophies, because like, let's face it, that's for a competitive world. And I was finding out you had to bid for contracts and bid for oh my god I loved it it was great and I ended up being uh, helping them with a the new shop that was opening in Reading and I came it came in as short time after that as the manager and then from there six weeks later within a very short period of time the Chamber of Commerce came to visit the new business mm. and invited us to a couple of their events and asked us if we'd like to be members as they do as that's part of their their thing in the Reading area. And uh, not, uh, not long, I don't know, after the snap of your fingers, um, I'm out there bidding for trophies and winning the contracts. And uh, I've joined the Chamber on a couple of events. I'm just duck to water, absolutely loved it. 
So I shortly, I, the best, one of my best memories actually was uh, I'd won the contract for the Reading Half Marathon, which is one of the big races now in in sort of the country. And uh, I'd won the contract there. I was standing with Uri Geller on this podium as the people all ran past. <laughs> we'll never forget it because you're when you're completely out of your comfort zone, you don't have to be a bit of a wally. And you think, <laughs> why am I here? So because we were sponsoring the trophies and I thought, oh, goodness gracious. So up there next, along with Ricky and Bianca from EastEnders. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought I'm in good company. Anyway, I just, I loved the day and I loved the, you know, the whole event. And, you know, you get a taste for these things. You know, they're very addictive. Uh, so the Chamber of Commerce came back to see me after the event and said, you know, we we wondered if you'd be interested in a job with the chamber. Mm. And I just said, you know, I don't do boring stuff. As far <laughs> as I was concerned, you know, this was I. The only thing I ever knew about the chamber of commerce, sorry, the only thing I knew about the chamber of commerce was um, they used to have dinners. I remember seeing them in my local paper, and this was over in Ireland. Uh, you know, where they'd always been to these posh dinner parties, and the men and their lovely DJs, and the women in their posh frocks. And, and to me, that's what the Chamber of Commerce was. I was young, but I wasn't interested in them either then. And so I I was asked a couple of times, have you gone to that interview? And I said, no, I'm not interested in that sort of stuff. And then somebody said, you'd be really good at this. Why don't you have a go? So just to stop people nagging, I said, right, I'll go for this interview. I, I have to tell you, my hands and my heart, all in the very first job I went to here in England was nursing which was actually almost a transfer anyway. I've never had an interview for a job. I've been given the job. Mm. So uh, extraordinarily lucky or just they were desperate, whichever way you want to look at it. <laughs> so this is the first proper interview. You know, I had to fill in a form. Well, I couldn't fill the form in my husband did it because <laughs> I said, what? Oh, you know, I, no, I just don't. I paper and paperwork, not my thing at all, never had been. So he helped me do my CV. And um, and I went along to this interview and I was asked questions and answered them. And I thought that was a bit of fun. Actually, took it as out as well, too. Came back again and I got two days later, I got a phone call to say I'd been shortlisted. Like, does anybody ever know what that means when someone tells you you're <laughs> shortlisted? You know, this means that, oh, it's competitive again. Here we mm-hmm. go. And I thought, now I wanted the job. I thought, well, I've got one of three. Oh, that, was, that was like, you know, this was something, it just spurred something inside me, my competitive spirit, whatever it was. I wanted the job. So I, I went for it. I had to go back. Second interview, I met a lady who was going to be my PA. Like, how posh is that? How <laughs> posh? I'm going to have a PA. What do you do with them? <laughs> and, and you know, I really talk about being out of your comfort zone. I was entirely wading in mud anyway got the interview got back to the office where i had been working telephone call about two hours later delighted to tell you've got the job and, and they were telling me like what the wages were which was already let me tell you about four grand more than i was earning <laughs> and they said well we only pay this they were apologizing for it and i'm going oh, oh. <laughs> and the guy just looked at me he says i knew you did it and i like well, that was it. I would do the sound of tears. I was crying my eyes out. Oh, and the other thing as well, having been in the sports industry for such a long time as well, I didn't own a suit. 
disputed job. So I'll tell you what I do remember. Sunday morning, for a job starting on Monday, I'm up the markets up at Heathrow trying to find a suit in the market stalls up there. <laughs> you know, I know how to live life. And anyway, got got my suit and started Monday. And I was given this job of just watching what happened. Like, you know, just watch, observe. And then this chap said to me, well, to welcome you to the job, we'll take you out for lunch. I, I, I Listen, I've dangled on to heaven. I have found <laughs> it. And even if you have a little glass of wine, I've never had to tell you. So I thought, oh, this is amazing. And they're all telling me about what they do. So I thought, oh, this is brilliant. This job was made for me. I didn't know it. But, you know, whenever they do say ducks take to water, that really was, I couldn't even wait. The, the period of time I was supposed to be observing couldn't wait got the bit between the teeth somebody had applied to join the chamber i says i'll take it and off went to tell them a whole load of baloney that i didn't know but what i believed i told them what i believed about the job i told them what i believed i was going to be able to do to help them etc so i couldn't speak on the business point of view because i know nothing mm -hmm. about it but well i knew very little anyway I did that. I have to say that the company was brilliant as well, too, because they put you in for qualifications. So I actually ended up, I've got a business qualification, which I thought, but I'm one away from uh, the degree. So I'm really quite proud of that, that I've got that. You know, at my age, you don't go back to exams, <laughs> do you? Come on, yeah, a grip. So, um, but I now have, well, that was it. I was there. I was there for eight years and I learned networking, which is our magic mm -hmm. word between you and me. And it it had just become really popular. There was a lot of the big American companies were coming into the UK. The men with their BNI, the ladies with their SEMA networking lunches. And this was all kicking off. And they were quite expensive. Um, but mm -hmm. people were enjoying them. And they were investing in their business by going to them. And likewise, the Chamber of Commerce is a membership organization, which you pay for. So I thought, right, I'll... Um, I can do this. I can do this networking. I, it's like running a party. I can <laughs> run a party. I can do parties. I've been doing parties for a very long time. It, so I absolutely loved it. And I love the networking. And then I just, but there was one chap one morning at a breakfast meeting. Well, you know, my first vision of the chamber being this dusty old chamber thing came mm -hmm. to life with that man. Mm -hmm. Because if anybody else was, Put on the planet to be boring. This was him. <laughs> I'll save him the blushes. I won't name him. He, he also taught me a lot because from him I learned. And he's he was into computers. Now you know what people are like when they're enthusiasts. You know, he was talking on this one minute presentation time that they were awarded about scarf plugs and leads. And if your computer has this fitment. And I thought, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> I lost it. I had no idea what he was on about. It just, you know, I, I'm looking blank. I looked around the room and everybody else has gone back to their breakfast or fiddling with something. And I said, right, let me stop you right there. I said, will you tell me exactly what it is you do? Mm. And that was it. From there on, I was known as that person <laughs> who does networking different for everybody else. They loved it. 
and it ended up becoming, I ended up getting such a big audience at breakfast, it was ridiculous, it was hard to find the time to even do the one minute. But uh, but it was enormous fun and people enjoyed coming and, and being challenged. And we even challenged them about what they wore. I didn't <laughs> do that. I made sure I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> I had a lady there who did style, she's a stylist, and so she was saying, if you want to know how your appearance and how your breast um, your first impression of people come and see me after. She mm. always had a cue. You know, so that was the sort of thing we got into. We got into tell, be your business, be who you are. And if it's something that you can contribute to this room, yes, people would have to come to her for pay money for that. But hey, you know, just to sound that your tie is straight or you've got the wrong tie on, change the suit colour, that costs nothing. Mm -hmm. So we all started to look after each other a little bit and help each other with bits of advice and maybe you should try this, that and the other thing. And which we did. And that 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 was where it went. So we grew and it grew. So before I left the chamber I knew I was coming I was going to go off and do my own business. No, sorry, I have been headhunted. I beg your pardon. I nearly missed an important bit. <laughs> I had been headhunted by CEDA whenever they were around to help them with the new enterprise, the young people getting into work mm. in the Reading area. Now, that was extraordinarily exciting and really, too, I just couldn't turn it up. It was, it, it was, it was, um, working with young people, which I loved doing. It was looking at opportunities for them. It, it, it was just a whole package that I just really loved. A little bit more money as well, too, which was really mm -hmm. more exciting. But it wasn't just that. You know, you have to love life and you have to love what you're doing because then it's not a job anymore. So I fancied the challenge and I thought I'd done here as much as I could do. But I announced that I was going to have the big breakfast. Mm. Let's everybody come for one big breakfast, one big farewell. Well, Everybody had to book in beforehand, you know, to come to this thing. And it was terrifying. <laughs> I had 103 turned up to that breakfast, wow. including the general manager of the hotel we were in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we we were, you know, that he himself had been, and it's uh, the food and beverages manager had been so supportive. You know, and that's what you get. You can't do anything on your own. You need help, you need the support. And these people have supported me. So basically, everybody that had supported me through that chamber career and what I'd learned were all there at that breakfast. So it was very mm. emotional. And and but I'm very, very to this day, very proud of it and, and what we did. So so there's no chance if you work out the maths, 103 minutes. <laughs> the first people that have lost their will to live. I might have passed on by the time we got to the last one. So we, we thought, right, intro, just your name and what your business is. Yeah. We'll find you. So if anybody wants to talk to that person from this place, find them later. That's when real networking happens. Yes. It doesn't happen when you stand up and tell people what you do in one minute. Like, come on, be real. Yeah. If you yeah. can tell people what you do in one minute, then you're not doing a very good job. <laughs> so it's an intro. That's all it is. And we, I ran literally round the tables with microphones. And it all worked, and we managed to get round with about 20 minutes. So, that sounds, sounds wonderful. And oh, it it was clearly, there were plenty of people that thought a lot of you, Mary, that they all wanted to come to your, your final oh, meeting. Oh, do you know what? And I've still got many friends to this day because of But that's what networking does, you know. Hmm. Good networking, quality network makes friends for life. It truly does. It yeah. truly does. And as I find out that later, that's so to be the case 
but the people I met then, uh, and I've gone quite quite a few years now. You know, it's it's, it's over thirty five years. I'm yeah. still friends. I know every one of them. I knew yeah. every one of them. Yeah. And still do. So we appear up on things like LinkedIn and whatever. And it's it's lovely to see faces and see the names and say hi. See you're still using an old photograph. <laughs> <laughs> so tell tell me now about, about the, the network that you set up and, and how that's that was very different well, to everything else. Every, it, well, it, it, it is and it isn't because it evolved uh, as these things do. And whenever I started um, my own breakfast, like I say, we, we started my own breakfast networking with, then I find a lot of the ladies were the ones that were coming up and saying to me, do you know, uh, in fact, it was Sharon Connolly, and I will name her because she, we ended up partners. Sharon said to me, wouldn't it be lovely just to be able to meet for a cup of coffee and a chat? Now, it's a simple, it's a simple line. Uh, and, you know, most most of us say it to each other. If you go to networking events, would you like to meet for a coffee? Mm-hmm. And I said to her, you know, the trouble is, whenever you're working within an organization like the Chamber, of course, they want everybody to be a member. They're not there to give yeah. freebies away. They've got a yeah. business to run, and we're representing that business. So I said, well, you know, let me think about it. Anyway, when I changed and I went off to the enterprise job in Reading, looking after young people, it was just a one-year contract as well, too, mm-hmm. which was so, you know, that gave me time to do something else and thinking time. Because I was no longer at the chamber, I was now free to do this networking thing with Sharon. And I thought, yeah, let's do it. So we arranged it. We thought, right, well, as it's going to be girlies, it's going to be the female, let's meet at Sainsbury's because uh, this was our mentality. We're not counting to use men of thinking, you know, this sort of thing. This was us. But uh, well, if we go to Sainsbury's and Starbucks, which had just started at the time, Starbucks and all the coffee shops had just started, why don't we meet there and then we can go shopping? Mm-hmm. before we go home like that made sense yeah it made common sense it was perfectly normal and and so we thought that was great well the first month we did just that and, and we had a lot of people that had come to earlier breakfast etc come along absolutely loved us there where are we doing the next one they wanted it once a week and i said no we're doing it once a month because mm-hmm. we've all got stuff to do or at least you shouldn't be here enjoying yourself yes <laughs> And we did have an enjoyable time. So the second month we came, uh, that was a problem. It was a huge problem because we ended up with a huge crowd of ladies. Now, you know, that coffee shop only had so many chairs mm-hmm. and we commandeered the entire lot. And there was these tiny coffee tables somewhere in the middle and this massive circle. You know, it looked like a picture of, the, you know, the old days of Indians and cowboys, you know, circling <laughs> <laughs> the one little tent in the middle. And, and so customers that were coming in and queuing to sit down for a coffee, well, there's nowhere to go. Yeah. So, you know, we got, in the second meeting, we had to knock at the head and start really looking at where to go. Mm-hmm. And the hotel, that blessing that had supported me all the way through my chamber days and my own networking breakfast days, said we could come and use their facilities. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, that's it's a gift from the gods, isn't it? We're still friends, by the way. And and uh, they had a lovely big lounge, and a lot of p- business people go there for business meetings and meeting for coffee. And we, of course, consumed one entire corner. And and there's and I have to tell you this day, the ladies are still there. Uh, I think it's like eighteen years later. Wow, we're still there, and some of the original members still there yeah. as well. Yeah. So, so um, it's it's something I'm enormously proud of, but. Um, after you know things changed, we started to grow. Uh, Sharon ended up leaving 
pastored youth, went to Singapore, then on to Australia, met his new manners, I'm married. <laughs> and she said, I think I should step back. And I said, well, you can and you can't. You're still <laughs> part of the story and very much part of the story. So we keep the story of how we started because I think that's important. Sometimes you need to look back and remember where you came from. Mm. And uh, But then we've had a change, but one girl that I met at my breakfast networking way back then has joined me. Now we're joint directors of Ladies Who Latte. And we kept the name, of course, the Ladies Who Went, because we had posh coffee. We didn't just have mm-hmm. a coffee in it. We had latte because that had just come out. So it all sort of knitted together. And and all these years later, you know, there we are, still trundling along. I can tell you, we everybody is a volunteer, including me and including my partner, Billy, Billy Sharp, who, you know, I, she runs the website and, and does all this techie mm-hmm. stuff. I just claim to be too old to do anything. <laughs> and I, I contact people, I have chats with them, and I go out and meet them. And and we, we're sort of, and we, we message on Facebook. So there's a lot of opportunities now for people to do things free of charge. Mm-hmm. You know, but never take anything as free of charge for granted. You know, it used to be don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Well, you're a muck if you don't, because the opportunities are there now to do that. Yeah. And, you know, just just always keep an eye on the changes. So tell, tell me about <laughs> um, about how, how your network has grown now, because it's not just local to you anymore, is it? Oh, well, they see, this is it. We didn't even advertise. We didn't advertise either, other than people move from pillar to post, as we know they do as life goes on. And within the 18 years, people moved and they said, do you know, I love this group. I don't really want to lose it. I love my networking there. Um, do you have one in this area? And I said, no, I haven't. But why don't you start one? Mm. So as as we had to get smarter, we find people were moving. Whenever people were close geographically, you could go to all the different groups and you could run a group yourself, as I did. But then things started to go further away. And I thought, hang on, we won't have to get... To, you know, an hour and a half, two hours, maybe, and we can't do that. And the calendar was filling up. So Billy and I, Billy sat down there and I, I sat with her. Um, Billy sat and wrote out basically everything I wrote out as well to what we did, how yeah. we actually run a group. Here's the mechanics of it. When you're the leader, so we named them latte leaders, for want of a better idea. Latte leaders, we, um, we told them exactly uh, what they should do Basically, you're not there to wear yourself down into the ground. You're not there to worry about it. You're not there to take the pressures off the world. You're there to meet and greet. So, hello, how are you? My name's Mary. I'm the leader of the group. Come in. You're welcome. I said, job over. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying, right, ladies, we're going to introduce ourselves. And don't hog the floor. We're not going to do one minute. We're not putting that pressure on either. Because people would literally be watching their clocks and things. And yeah. You don't want, you don't. If you've got something to say, say it. And one of the things that you can always do as a tip to anybody when you start a new group, always find out somebody else who knows how to do it properly and get them to set the example. Because yeah. it's, a, it's a great way for everybody else then to follow. Because you launch the first person out there that's never done it before. Well, they're, they, you know, they're waiting outside their depth. So always set somebody up as an example, even if it's yourself. Mm-hmm. Introduce yourself and say, do what I do or do yeah. what I say, you know, whichever. And set yourself an example. And, you know, you can feel these things have grown for years. And sometimes without changes, but... Every now and again, what I said to some groups is they got a bit stale and they felt they all knew each other so well now. I said, pick one person out for the next meeting to be the spotlight speaker and they've got five minutes. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and they'll tell you all about their business and that's become great thing. you know you can do it through a business card draw you can take short straws you can bid for it and put money into charity there's lots of ways that you can do something with that to be the spotlight speaker and if all else fails volunteer to be the speaker <laughs> so you've got lots of choices be the spotlight speaker get people to know what you do because by doing that you're turning people into your ambassadors and they they can be your ears and voice whenever you're not somewhere and uh, you know that's that's important but the the main thing is that people travel and as they travel they took ladies who latte with them so god love them i will be forever grateful to them i always will i treasure my latte leaders and here we are all these years later i've now got 103 100 no 18 groups in the uk wow uh, we wandered into wales when you get down to swindon swindon and and all the area down there bristol they love ladies in last week because there's a lot of women actually work in that area mm-hmm. from home working particularly. And so they they um they started a lot of groups down that area. And one lady, Joe, wandered into Wales with her business. So hence about five groups now in Wales. Uh one of our ladies left, she was getting married and she was moving to Malta. Right. Two groups in Malta now as well one in, in the capital and one in central and then i met a lovely lovely lady nyasha from africa nyasha is a great networker she's an amazing lady she has raised um 120 million pounds wow. i know this because i only heard her speak the other night over the years she came to this country with about a pound she mm-hmm. in that time she got into property investments you know by working with somebody and she's now £120 million richer for it. She has had 20,000 children adopted wow. from different countries. Yeah. The lady is an absolute star. She's just something else. And she's very driven. Well, I, if you see her ambling along, you wouldn't think she's driven anywhere. You know, but she, <laughs> she's, she's, uh, she just had her 60th birthday the other day. We wished her a happy birthday very publicly. And she is amazing. Anyway... She wanders backwards and forwards. She travels with this business. She doesn't tell it. She just she doesn't she doesn't hide it, but she doesn't brag about it either. That's mm-hmm. you know a lot of her charm. And we are now in five countries in Africa. Wow. <laughs> which I'm sort of like, oh for goodness sake. <laughs> and I've had the pictures. We've had a Zoom meeting. We ha- I, we have seen the girls meet, have their first meeting at Nyash's mother's home. Yeah. In Harare, you know and. It's uh, uh, yeah. I I pinch myself and it gives me goosebumps now to because but we have managed, even though it's not geographically near us, because of how we've written the thing out, we are, are all sisters together. Mm-hmm. Whatever country, whatever colour, whatever creed, whatever jobs we are doing, and they're many and varied. But one thing is that the hardest thing has been to do was to stand still. Because mm-hmm. everybody feels as if you get a business, it grows and you get the nickel to this and you do that. We don't want to do that. We want to always, always be here for the people that are at the grassroots that are starting business. Yeah. And they're working from home and they're alone. Yeah. And yeah. that's where we are staying. We we have been offered oh, chances to have a, a convention in London to uh, take on training, places where we can actually earn money from. You know, mm-hmm. we've turned it all down. Mm-hmm. And we said, no, we are we are staying the reason why and you know now whenever you get older i'm 70 now 
my hand goes back down to somebody who's 20 something I will help you mm-hmm. I got where I got by the help of a lot of people and I would like to think I can pay that back by I put an outstretched hand through ladies who laughing I'll help you and you can make friends for life like I have yeah and I think that that's that's the power of networking isn't it now Aside from your networking, which must keep you extraordinarily busy, you're also a radio presenter. Tell me something about that. Oh, that's another thing for Captain to the Chamber. <laughs> you know, this is this is the dream. This was my dream. Uh, sort of before I even realised it was a dream. I was 15 years old, leaving school, going into work. And we had had a lady that come from the council. Uh, she was the PA to the CEO, everything's acronyms and yeah. fact acronyms again now, but uh, she was the PA and she came into the room, she had a blonde hair, you know, coiffed, suit on, high heels, you know, she was like superwoman, she mm. was the most amazing woman I'd ever seen in my life, she just looked fantastic, she just had this straight air with her, those heels walked in, she wasn't like the teachers, our teachers were all frumpy in comparison to this iconic woman who she'll never know what impression she made on me anyway she she i thought she was brilliant i want to be like her i i want to be that woman look at that look she was just everything i'm just mesmerized i don't know that i actually heard anything she said because i was just looking at her <laughs> and i thought she was just so well she was captivating you know and and she was i don't know if she was even beautiful she just she just commanded this presence that you couldn't mm. take your eyes off anyway i so i thought to tell me different jobs, we would be at reception and stuff. Basically, secretarial was what we were coming out of school trained to be. Mm-hmm. So um, whenever we were talking about applying for jobs, you know, apply for receptions is probably the first rung on the ladder for young girls leaving work in the secretarial school to get into business. I have to tell you all these years later, that's the worst place to put somebody coming out of school. Mm. If a company pinches itself and thinks about the one person you want to put at reception facing the public that's coming over the door it's not a 15 schizo no. kid that no. knows nothing about anything you put the most experienced person who actually knows the company knows people in the company yeah. and knows what they do yeah. that's who you put in reception anyway see wisdom and all these years but i applied to the bbc for a job i thought you know start the top I will work my way down, which I did to the job factory. But I started up at the BBC and I got a lovely letter and I kept it for years. And when we, my mum moved house, the letter went and was hidden in a oh, suitcase up in the loft, you know, how you do. And it had the BBC logo on the envelope, which mm. is why I kept it. Not for what was inside, it had a BBC logo on it. Anyway, that, that went along with the house. And um, and I, but I, I never forget the words, the contents of it. And I accepted them. I have to tell you that straight away. It said, uh, thank you for your interest in the company. We regret to inform you we only employ men. <gasps> wow. <laughs> you know, the biggest favour they ever did me was that. Mm. It was like Naomi Riches with that teacher who said she was going to come to nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, inadvertently somewhere in that there, that cell, that locks away and it stays there. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I heard, and, but at the time I said, thank you very much. <laughs> Years later, I was on a stage with Greg Dyke, who was then the DG of the yeah. BBC. Through the chamber, we were at a business meeting. He was the invited guest. I was asked to look after the green room. Mm-hmm. And the first one was, uh, was Rachel Elmer from Dragon's 
Dragon Stem. Yeah. And then the second one was Greg Dyke. Well, I was not going to miss my opportunity. No. <laughs> I was getting them a coffee and I said, Do you know I have a BBC story? <laughs> of course he didn't know because he didn't know me from Adam. And I told him what had happened. I said, You know, you don't know what the favours it's done me. He said, You do know why you got that reply. And you know what? In all those years, and I'm talking like next like, 20 years later, um, at that time, the BBC employed ex-soldiers from the war, mm. which was long gone. The war was finished before I was born. I'm not mm. that old. <laughs> but um, that's who they employed. Security was tied up with reception, and so that's who did reception right. in those days at yeah. the BBC. I had to wait 35 years for that explanation. <laughs> but I said, I said to him, you know, the thing is, I now do some public speaking because I go and talk about what we're doing, chamber, what mm. networking, etc. And and I said to him, you know, it's done me the biggest favour because it's my opening line. And I said, and I always get exactly the same expression as you just did. Yeah. Like, oh no. <laughs> so, but that shows you how much things have changed in my lifetime. Mm. You know, we accepted it. You know, mm-hmm. I was I was coming into industry at the time when women, if you got pregnant, you left your job. You didn't yes. have a job. Yeah. If you got married, in some cases, you had to leave your job. Yeah. So you know that's how much things have changed. And and uh, you know, yes, I know I'm at the older age of being young, but <laughs> I'm young-minded. But that's no excuse. And um, the fact is, you know, years are there, but it has changed in just a short period of time. So I don't think women give themselves a clap in the back enough because mm-hmm. they're still hurtling to be not the suffragette that it changed in a very short period of time and we've still got mountains to climb of course we've got mountains to climb if they weren't there we'd be fed up so we need those and but we need to be where we are right now i think we're exactly in the right spot because we need to learn we need to train and men at the time also always got paid far far more because they were deemed to be the breadwinner and that's just the way things were at the time it was accepted then, and of course now, oh, it's not acceptable now, but too many people moan about things. You know, you whinge about, are we going to strike left it with less face it, we're all going to get on really well when everybody goes in strike. <laughs> God help you ever come up with that mentality. But, you know, you, you, have to, you have to put in to life what you're going to get out of it. If you yes. can't contribute, you know, you're not on the receiving bus as everybody else. So contributing, you get an awful lot back yourself. You know, I, I have got so many rewards. I've got so many people to be grateful for. Yes, I've got everything out of networking, including my job at the radio station, because I came along to help them with a business show. Mm-hmm. I've got a, you know, this is this is a problem being Irish. I, why say two words when you can say a hundred? <laughs> this is a roundabout way of saying this is how I got into the radio. The, the radio, but I, the time came back and they said, "Would you like to do a slot in the radio?" And back in the BBC days, in my head, I went, oh. I've always wanted to do that. I, I didn't necessarily want to go on radio mm-hmm. as a presenter, but I, I wanted to be at a radio station. And uh, so this was it. So we helped for one month for them to get their license at Marlow FM. Mm-hmm. And they had to produce this block of business of programs, all varied. And I was to interview people. So, of course, all my networking people came for me to interview yeah. and chat. Them. And I never get my last show. And I thought, I started really thinking about it. And I thought, right, if I work on authors, I knew a lot of them. I had one lady who wrote an e-book. I had one lady who'd been commissioned to write a book. One lady was a, a ghostwriter mm-hmm. for another lady who was blind, so she was doing her story. 
And and these were my guests. And I thought, so we had a chat about being an author. Everybody says there's a book in everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, this is how you go about it. How do you write a book? And I loved it. And at the end of it, because it really went really well, I'm in charge of the little desk. You're piloting your own show. I did, thank God, have a shadow over my shoulders. And you put a fader up to speak and turn it down to stop speaking. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, a bit of a no-brainer, really. Everybody looks at switches down and go horrors. You just push this up and put it back down. And, but don't tell anybody it's that easy. So so there I was. I I turned down the faders of the other one. And I yeah, like an idiot. My fader's still up. <laughs> anyway, and of course, it was going out loud on, on no, sorry, that one. Sorry, no, that one wasn't going out live. Sorry, it was recording. Naturally, they had popped up for that. Yeah. But I have to tell you, a few times while we have been live, I have still done it again and done a wee and forgotten that thing yourself. So you still make mistakes, but I love well, it. I think it's absolutely wonderful that you know networking has brought you to a career that you wanted back at the age of 15 oh, yes. all, all these years later. So ju- just finally, Mary, if people are interested in Lady Zulatte or they want to find you on the radio, what's the best place for people to get in touch with you? Oh, gee, that's so exciting to see. <laughs> Lady Zulatte, the lovely Billy has built a website. So we are www.ladieshulatte.com. That's really, really quite easy, all lowercase. And we have a lot of our information out there. Also, we have a calendar on there of all the places we are. So, you know, you don't have to have to go to the ones in Zimbabwe or Ghana or Kenya. <laughs> <laughs> but there may just be one local to you. And as I said to people, if there isn't one local to you, start one yourself. Let, let us know because we're here to help you. And, uh, and for me, uh, tune in to Marlow FM. 97.5 and it's on it's of course online so at www.marlowfm.co.uk well thank you very much for being my guest mary and uh, best of luck with everything else that i'm sure life is going to bring to you oh i'm hoping it's going to slow down <laughs> i think the one thing is lovely about you know doing the really thing i get to meet the most amazing people and people like you and the career stories that you have got is the biggest it's the biggest gift I could possibly have given. You know, you just have to maybe be a nosy person and then you're going to be fabulous for radio. But your story is absolutely amazing. And, and I stand in awe of you and everything that you've achieved. Well, thank you very much. Oh, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Small Business Big Network. If you found this podcast useful, please do rate, review and subscribe. And don't forget to share it with the rest of your network too.